people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome to Kidney Talk. We're here again. Yes, and we're here with a fabulous guest we've actually interviewed once before. He talked to us a little bit about coping with kidney disease. Coping with kidney disease. Yes. Which is very hard to do it sometimes. It is, because he is a social worker. And welcome to the show, Howard Feinberg. Thank you. Howard Thank you. Feinberg. Yes. The Italian, right? Italian That's name? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, Howard, it was so weird. Uh, you know how I know you're, you're like a social worker, psychologist. You actually studied... F- with Freud himself. Yeah, I, I did, I did. And, but I wasn't in the room when he did all that cocaine. I was. Uh, Howard, tell us a little bit about your background for those of us who didn't hear your past story. And when were you diagnosed with kidney disease? And I was uh, first diagnosed with um, FSGS back in, uh, boy, 30 years ago. Well, wait a second, wait a second. It. What is FSGS? Focal segmented glomerulosclerosis. Wow. And what is that? It messes up the the. Glomeruli. Glomeruli of yeah, your kidney. It's always a hard word for me it to is. say. They come but, up with um, these difficult that's a, words. That used to they? be about the third major cause. Now it's really? now it's gotten a little bit pushed down because we're returning for transplants. That's become another major cause of, of transplant. Does it attack the kidneys once um, yes, yes, again once, so it reoccurs in the body? It's been talked about that that does happen, but it's not known for sure. There are there is a group that's actually doing a lot of research in this area. But um, I'm told that it can Probably rejection is, is more prevalent, than, more prevalent. than the FSGS coming back. So when did you start dialysis and when did you get your first transplant? My first transplant I received in 1991. Uh, it was from a cadaver. Um, a deceased donor. We got to get the terms right. Because, <laughs> Why? You can't because say you can't cadaver. use say cadaver anymore. You have to what? say deceased donor. It's not a politically, politically correct. It's not politically yeah. correct. Why? Because it's disrespectful to the people who donated their o- organs. Well, they're dead. What do you care? And I've never been politically correct anyway. <laughs> okay. So, I'm um, the only one that will use the word deceased donor. And so how long were donor. you on the wait list to, to Boy, get Boy, in 91, one year. Wow. One year. Wow. Took, in the Los Angeles area, too. UCLA. Wow. That took me one year. That's and amazing. I was very lucky because I missed dialysis that first time around. And how long did your first one last? It lasted 11 years. Which is right exactly what yeah. they said it was going to last. Exactly. I think somebody was actually timing it, and then they <laughs> dropped something in my drink when I got it. Now, that must be so weird. You're going along. You're, what was your creatinine normally, like one? one no, one? actually, I, I my first transplant was a little rough, and the creatinine got to about two was the best I did. So you were at two, and you were hanging around, and all of a sudden, your well, creatinine starts jumping up. You know, it was very interesting, because it was, it was very similar to my disease etiology, because it was slow. Mm-hmm. My my creatinine didn't jump up; it slowly rose. Mm-hmm. So I had time to kind of prepare, but even then, I was thirty uh, something years old, and I and even at that time, I wasn't an advocate for my health, and I really was not thoroughly educated yet. And that's when I had decided to go back for my master's. My first transplant was was pretty traumatic, in in not a lot of attention was paid to my mental health. So that's when I made it a, a, a cause of mine to go back 
get my master's in psychology and, and enter into the field with the idea of helping kidney patients. And I had gone to work for two dialysis units as a social worker. But that really, you don't really get to practice, you know, mental no, health you issues. Don't. You it's kind of like booking travel and... <laughs> yes. But yeah. the funny thing was, is I did practice health issues. And of course, I didn't get along with the dialysis uh, staff very well. I mean, the staff I did, but the, but the owners and the doctors, because I did that. I sat with patients and listened to them and, and actually had a great time because I was able to show them actually what a transplant patient looked like because they had all these thoughts of Quasimodo walking in the and door. And you just gain all this weight yes, and everything. Exactly. Yeah. And I would pick and choose when I would disclose because you've got to be careful. And and once I did, patients got very motivated. And I was transplanted, yes, right? <laughs> and I was very much able to get information out there, even though it was a culture that didn't disseminate a lot of information, which really was upsetting. You know, the 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 talk about transplantation, even now, as far as we've come, is still very, very limited. Um, and I was able to really talk to patients and really push them, not push them, but work with them into so getting the transplant. So that they understand yes. that it's a real viable option Absolutely. for them. Because, Absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes so, you say, well, you, you really don't know how I feel because you're not, exactly. you're, you're, you're not laying in here with needles in your arm. Exactly. You go, but I was. Yes, and exactly. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And actually, that's when my kidney failed. And I went on dialysis at that time. And I was on dialysis for about four and a half years. Actually, the same time I was doing dialysis social work, I was doing social work for a foster family agency. And and I had a friend there who offered me her kidney. And she was actually someone oh, wow. I supervised, so I didn't put a lot of pressure on her. It was just, just happened to be <laughs> you that I supervised. You can raise those. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And when I sat down with her to make sure that she understood, she had already done all the research. So wow. I was very lucky. But at the same time, when we went to get evaluated, she flew through the evaluation. But it turned out that I had very high antibodies. Antibodies are the little warriors in your bodies that fight everything. Exactly. And so you don't want a lot of antibodies no. when you're looking for a kidney because it's hard. They'll attack um, the new they'll kidney, They'll attack right? the new kidney. And what so, happens is when you get a transplant, you develop even more antibodies because you have another organ in your body that helps to develop even more. So the bottom line was I was filled with antibodies. I was at 90%, which is extremely high. When they did the cross match with my donor, there was no way we could do the transplant because basically I would reject on the table. And I was told um, at the time, well, this is a real bad situation and very common, I must say, for anybody who's had a transplant when they go for their second transplant. And um, at the time at UCLA, they said, well, we can try something. And again, I didn't know a lot. I, I did not do a lot. <laughs> that me. Exactly. It did you scare know, me too. It's so, like, you know, there's this old joke where this uh, guy is hitchhiking and the, and the guy picks him up and the, the driver says to the guy, he goes, put your seatbelt on. I want to try something. <laughs> and, and, and the guy looks scared. He goes, no, 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 no. I right. think it'll work. I saw it in a cartoon once. <laughs> you know? So when a doctor says, I think I want to try something. Well, you you know, and, and I must preface that, that was my my own saying that was my own thing. But it, they they were good, but they don't have a full on program mm -hmm. for this situation. And um, since I had been a social worker, and since I became a huge advocate for myself, almost to a point of, you know, really bothering everybody, <laughs> um, uh, I started to do research, and they did what's called IVIG, and it stands for. Uh, intravenous immunoglobulin. It's a drug that's supposed to help 
limit your body making those antibodies. And how do you get the drug? You get it intravenously, but oh, okay. in my case, since I was on dialysis, they didn't. They <laughs> did it. How do you get the drug? Right, Abe. <laughs> that's right. Crazy? That's right. I know a guy in the corner. No, no problem. But, I'm looking uh, for some <laughs> IVIG. But they did it during dialysis. Okay. Know. How long do you have to have it? Well, at UCLA, um, again, this was my first taste with this situation. But they did it over two days. They had me in the hospital, and they did it over two days, and it was during dialysis. Um, and basically, they want to see a change in your, your antibodies. What was your antibody level? I he don't, said 90-something. It was 90%. I don't remember the actual number. Oh, okay. The number was sky high. Nobody would touch me to do a transplant, right. in other words. And it didn't matter what person came up. I probably would not have happened. In fact, right. that, I actually got a lot was, of calls. Yeah. I was still on the list. And I got three different calls to get ready. But I said, do the cross match and tell me what you see. And they didn't even call back. They, they, right. And I called them. They said, no, way out. Can't even go near it. Can't even go near it. Wow. But we did that and nothing happened. And at that point, I was told, and I will tell you without hesitation, many dialysis patients are told this, that your antibodies are high. There's nothing we can do. You'll have to wait for the perfect match. And Which I got a perfect match after... Seven years, but exactly. they told me I never get it. I mean, this was back in the 90s, or uh, it was 1990s, so. Yeah, so they didn't have this program. They didn't either. have it, yeah. yeah, which is amazing that they have it now. Well, the thing was that most patients, and, and I understand this, accept that information and kind of, okay, then I guess I got to wait. And the, and the literature even says you'll probably never get it. It would say three times the weight of a normal weight. Well, now that's crazy. And by the time you waited that long, you'd have all these other problems because of dialysis. And right. you probably wouldn't even be a candidate anymore. So um, you found out about this therapy. Was it easy? Did insurance pay for well, it? Well, yeah, that's the interesting thing. I did the research and I found that Cedar sinai right here in Los Angeles, uh, had a program. Dr. Stanley Jordan actually mm -hmm. pioneered the program. My HMO, uh, I won't tell you who it is, but the biggest in California. But my HMO uh, would not pay for me to go get an evaluation at Cedars because they send all their patients to UCLA. So I went on my own and got an evaluation. They said, we know we can get you transplanted once we put you through this uh, treatment. And I went back to my HMO and they flat out told me no way. And I began the fight. And the fight How was, do you fight these oh people? my God, of course, with any HMO, with any hospital, they, they have a grievance process and the department of managed care, who is the ultimate people to get to will not look at you unless you go through the grievance process of the HMO. So I began, but I began with the knowledge that I had a really good fight on my hands and that ultimately I had to get this to the proper people. That HMO would say no the whole way. I knew that in my heart. That they that. Would. And they did. I went from grievance to appeal to standing in front of a, a board of 30 people. I walked in the room. I said, couldn't you get any more people? I, and they listened to me for 10 minutes. You know, and I, had... I, I would have taken, you know, I would do the sandwich signs and walk back and forth <laughs> and call the press and, and everything. You know, this, this woman I was talking about in our earlier interview, you know, she had people protesting outside Cigna Health Insurance. Right. right. And, and then her daughter died, you know, and, you know, what good did it do? Yeah. But I ultimately, once I 
got through the whole process, I I actually had the whole package because so I worked with Cedars and and they had stuff on the internet. They had studies. So you had they to give had, them all the data, right? Yes, and they had support the from Medicare. That was the best thing that I had. That Medicare was already supporting this treatment. This treatment, so yeah. it shows that it was uh, something that's, you know, not experimental. Right, and that's what Kaiser kept. Well, forget okay. it. Kaiser kept saying it was experimental. Well, know, that's was, what Cigna said to this, right. my friend exactly. and her daughter. And they, they finally, under so much pressure from the press and everything, they said, okay, we deem it not experimental. And then the girl died. The 17-year-old girl died. Yeah. You know. Unbelievable. That's their catch-all phrase that I know it's it. experimental. I know it. So you went all the way to the managed care board. Department of Managed Care. It took them about a week. They overturned HMO very quickly and said, no, this is a necessary treatment. It's not experimental. It's it's very viable. You must pay for him to go to Cedars. Wow. So I How got long to did that take? Oh my God! It took about a year, and mm. and and mind you, I was on dialysis and I wasn't feeling very energetic, and I was wanted to give up on time. Yes, of course. Like it's not worth it. But my thoughts were. I was going to get a transplant no matter what. Oh, I remember you back in those days, yeah. and you were going to get a transplant. <laughs> yeah, somehow, somewhere, I know, it was going to I know. happen. It's so you put that on the waiting list. And... No, no, I was able to go have the treatment. Uh-huh. Actually, I went over to Cedars, got on their waiting list, but my donor had to get reevaluated at Cedars, and we went through the treatment. Now, the treatment was interesting because I had a donor. You, they'll do it with people who don't have a donor as well. Right. People who are on the list and are very close and are maybe getting calls, they'll actually start the treatment. And the treatment um, was a combination of, of many things. It wasn't just the IVIG. It was uh, a drug called Rituxan, mm-hmm. uh, which they also gave me, which was also to... One of, them was, one of them limits the body from making the antibodies. The other one cuts the antibodies down. And I was tough. I mean, I was really tough. They did two weeks, and it it didn't go too far. Um, So they added plasmapheresis. And so I I went through all these different treatments, but ultimately it worked. And my donor was able to give me her kidney. Now, was there side effects with this drug? You know, it wasn't too bad at all. Uh, The IVIG, even in the literature, the main side effect, they say, is headaches uh, Mm -hmm. during the treatment. I had a little bit of headache, Mm -hmm. but not a lot. Are you more susceptible to infection? When they're giving you the uh, you treatment? know, the interesting part, and in the literature it points it out, it, it even states that it doesn't suppress the whole immune system. It turns off certain parts of the immune system. This is wild. But it doesn't suppress the whole immune system. In other words, in their literature, they even say your, your, your immune system is even better wow. for, for, for many of the infections. So it's pretty wild stuff, but it works. It worked for me, and I was pretty much as high as they've seen. Now, since then, there was a friend of ours that, that had it. Right. Yeah, we and, have a mutual friend that had her first transplant like 26 yes, years. Yes. And uh, then was on dialysis eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. And there was absolutely no way she was going to get a transplant. And she came down. I'm like, you have to talk to Howard because he knows about high antibody levels and getting transplanted. And she got transplanted. Literally, they started the therapy. And she was so high up on the list, she got yeah. transplanted. Like immediately, they told her like within a month she would get a kidney yeah. from a deceased donor. And she got it so quick. And the, the weird thing was, that, so, what so yeah, she, she was at another um, institution and <clears throat> she went for eight months, nine months of getting some IVIG. But that is the catch. Many of the institutions say they have the ability to work with this situation, but they don't have a full on program. 
And it right. takes, it takes, they have to put together a, a protocol for this. Now, even one of the major uh, institutions out here didn't have the protocol. And at, at that time, Cedars and Johns Hopkins were the only two that had a protocol for this. And it's important for dialysis patients, I can't stress it enough, that if they're in this situation, and they pretty much can bet that if they've had a transplant, they need to look into it, that they're probably highly sensitized at some spec, they're on a spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if, even if their doctor, and I, I would not badmouth anyone, but even if their doctor tells them, you're highly sensitized, there's nothing that can be done, you've got to question and you've got to research. Right, and they may not have the information. They, a you're lot of times, right. the, on many occasions, I'm learning things from different patients, and then I'll go talk to somebody at a healthcare man. They're like, "Oh, I've never heard of that," and so they're not always up on the latest information. You're a hundred percent right, Lori. And and I just I was just doing some work for the network, which I'm hoping a lot of patients know about. But Network 18, and they didn't know about it. Well, know? I found in the dialysis industry, a lot of healthcare professionals don't know yeah. about transplant. Right. And they're in the business of, you know, providing dialysis. And they don't really have a lot of interaction with uh, transplant protocols or, uh, you know, the different things that you need to know exactly. about transplant. So how can they give uh, the information if they don't know it? Exactly. So how long have you had this second transplant? Uh, it'll be three years, September. And how is it holding up? Fantastic. And do they no expect your disease that you have that attacks the kidney to eventually attack this one? They don't expect anything right now. They're just, they were uh, thrilled that it worked. They think I'll do fine because, of course, it was a donor, which helps. Right. And they pretty much have this down. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, I got a feeling all the institutions will have to jump into mm-hmm. this area and, and, and deal with it. And what's your creatinine? Creatinine now is 1.8. Wow. Yeah. That's Not bad. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. It's, it's holding up. It's Very good. And my, Does and my it fluctuate donor, at all? It fluctuates a little. Yeah, mine bit, fluctuates. But not much. Not much. Yeah, mine always fluctuates. Yeah. And blood pressure is good? Blood pressure is excellent. Okay. Everything's been great. And of course, it's a whole different protocol than what I had, you know, in 91. And right. medications are all different. And, I know. They not just the serious changing. side yeah. effects that they had back then. Right. And the better. donor's phenomenal. The donor's in good shape. Oh, she was out the next is day. Is she still, you know, you know what, is, what is she doing? Did she become the boss? Yeah, just about. She actually works. She she is a wonderful, wonderful person, and she works for regional center, and she helps uh, disabled kids and kids that need wow. assistance. Yeah, she's a fantastic person, and she's doing great. Well, yeah. I thank you so much for coming Absolutely. in and telling us about IVIG therapy. And IVIG, I love it. I know. I think uh, we need to tattoo it on your arm. Absolutely. <laughs> so. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 